This is Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is not normally discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from amputation, masturbation, menstruation, and castration. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Well, wait. Hold on there for a second. You know, I've been saying that line for years now, and throughout that time, there have been several topics that I thought might have just crossed that line, be it incest, bodily fluids, or cinematic child murder. And yet every time, I've been delightfully surprised when it turned out our listeners were just as deranged as we are. But this time, well, this time just might be a little different, because this time we're talking about the killing of animals in movies. And while watching a movie with a dead baby might not bother everyone, I don't know anyone who isn't just a little bit affected by seeing an animal killed on screen. Filmmakers also know this, and throughout film history, have used critter death both real and simulated to shock, sadden, and disturb unsuspecting moviegoers. On today's episode of Slums of Film History, we're going to discuss this cinematic phenomenon in what may be our darkest episode yet. But don't worry, no animals were harmed in the making of this episode. I promise. So feel free to come along with us today as we take up Critter Killing. Hey, Slate, what's up? Hi, Tom. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? We got anything to talk about? Anything to put out? Well, you know, it's funny. We actually both have pets. I never had a pet before the <laughs> pandemic. And True. So since you're talking about killing pets, let's <laughs> talk about our pet situations Great. and how they both changed over the pandemic. They did. They did. You first. I got a dog. I did not get a dog the first week of the pandemic, like everybody else in the world that, you know, when there was that run on pets that everybody was like, I'll get a pet immediately since we're going to be at home forever. I waited a good few months, might've been six-ish months into the pandemic. I didn't get her until right at the end of the summer, right after Labor Day. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got a little Maltese baby girl named Ramen, like the noodle. (laughs) Yeah, she's cute. She's staying here right now. She's up in my room uh, with Mm -hmm. the door shut because she's a little loud. But she's wonderful. She goes everywhere with me. I've been to the East Coast now. This is my fourth time since pandemic, and yeah. she just comes along with me. She's a tiny little thing. She is. She's about a year old now, and she's kind of dumb, but not as dumb as like you would expect. Yeah. She's a little smarter than dumb. Yeah. And I love her very much. Yeah, she's very yeah, playful. She's, she's a very great. sweet dog. I like her. I like it when she comes and visits. So I have two cats. Mm. I had one for the longest time. She's a very special cat, too. She's very special in a lot of ways. But yeah, she's a polydactyl. She's got thumbs and she's sort of skittish. I mean, she's weird, but she's sweet. But during the pandemic, and it was, I guess, almost a year ago now, for some reason, a bunch of these stray cats started coming to my house, and one just wanted me to adopt him. And so I adopted this cat. His name's Wilson, and he's been living here for a year now, and he's integrated himself quite nicely. You say that you attract stray cats, but he feeds stray cats. I have a whole colony that comes here now. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's not like, oh, this cat keeps showing up, and I keep doing everything I can to get it to go away. You're like, oh, there's a stray, there's a rumor of a stray cat in the neighborhood. Right. You try to get the stray cat to come over i feed all the cats in the neighborhood that's just that's what i do mm-hmm. anyway so i have this other cat and he's a handful 
He's chonky now. He's he's gotten chunky. used to yeah. He's gotten used to the indoor life, so he's very well, happy about that. We all gained weight over the pandemic, so, and that's true. That's know. also true. But also, I, and I want to point this out. It's funny with our respective pets because this is very indicative of the differences between me and Slate. Because uh, Slate's dog was not cheap, so clearly he'll pay <laughs> top dollar for a dog, and I'll adopt a cat I find in the trash. So that's pretty much very indicative of the two of us. My dog is very special, <laughs> indeed. Indeed, she is to very mortgage special. my place to be able to pay for her, but she was. Worth it. She's a very lovely dog. On that note, speaking of cute pets, let's get on to some critter killing. Yep, yep. So this episode is sort of a theme episode in that, one, I use the term critter sort of as a blanket for animals. I've done this before with other critter episodes like Cuddly Critters That Kill and Critter Vengeance. I'm from the South, and also I can just use that as a blanket term, and it works. Also, this is sort of a a sister episode to one of my other killing episodes because I did kid killing, and so this is critter killing, so it's just another part of that theme. Also, on a side note, even though this may be a bit for some listeners, it's not that I'm trying to disturb or offend anybody. We never try to actively disturb people, but we talk about some dark stuff, and this may be that. We'll try to bring some levity to this so it's not too dark, but, I mean, this is a pretty dark subject matter, probably one of the darker ones we've discussed, Mm. I think. And also, this episode's a little different because I'm breaking it up in two parts, essentially. I'm going to talk about real animals killed on screen and Mm -hmm. in movies. Sure. And then simulated or not real, but it's part of the plot. So we'll start with one and then we'll talk about that and start with the other. And I'll try to be linear in both cases where I'll start, you know, from the earlier ones and move down like we try to do most of the time. Sure. And also one last thing, I'm only talking about narrative films. So I'm not going to be talking about like nature films or documentaries Mm. because there's a million of those on Animal Planet and like, you know, a cheetah will kill some shit, you know, or kill an antelope. And I'm also excluding animated movies. So no Bambi, no All Dogs Go to Heaven, Watership <laughs> no. Down, Secret of Nim, Land Before Time. I'm not talking about any of this yeah. shit. I'm excluding all this. It's all live action narrative films. Okay. You're just trying to make this as upsetting as possible. I right? am. <laughs> yes, that's my goal. But also in saying that, some of my early examples also break that rule. So, And my first one kind of does. So we'll just get right to the first movie that I'm going to talk about. Okay. Okay. So like we always do, I'm going to begin with history. So the first film that I want to talk about that I could find with a critter being killed on screen was allegedly from Guess Who? I'll give you a hint. Viral cat video. Thomas Edison. Yes. It was his film company that recorded this event. And the movie is from 1903. And the name of the movie is Electrocuting an Elephant. <laughs> have we talked about this before? I don't remember if we have or not. Maybe it was somebody else. I mean, I don't know who people else talk about I killing talk- elephants. I, I, it had to have been us. <laughs> I, mean, I don't remember I was us just thinking that it. through. I don't talk about killing animals in film with anybody else but other than you. So. Right. That makes sense. Well, I would hope you wouldn't. But yeah. I don't remember us doing that. But anyway, let me just talk about it. So this film is a very short clip. And it is considered the first on-screen death of any animal and this thing was actually seen by a large audience like a lot of people saw this both live when it happened and then it was kind of put in one of those rotoscopes later on yeah that people can you know pay a penny and watch it for it was a circus elephant right it was a circus elephant and i'm gonna get you to watch it first Mm. and then we're gonna talk about it so why did they electrocute it did he have cancer because then all of a sudden that doesn't make me feel as bad because it fell over pretty quick like it's it's sad but also 
why. Okay, so I'm going to go into all of that, mm-hmm. and you're going to be fucking outraged. Okay. Okay. Right. First of all, let's didn't describe have it cancer, to her, I guess. Say what? He didn't have cancer, I guess. No. Yeah. First of all, let me talk to our audience and describe them kind of what happened. So mm-hmm. the elephant's name is Topsy, and what the film shows is the scene opens with like the elephant keeper bringing Topsy out to the place of execution. They hook copper plates to her feet, and then they run 6,000 volts through her body. Smoke is coming off mm-hmm. of her. And then the current is cut off, she falls down dead, and it's fucked up, and it's unsettling. So, we're going to unpack this whole thing. First of all, Topsy was a female Asian elephant. She was born in 1875, and she was actually smuggled in the U.S. And she ended up in the what is known as the Four Paw Circus, is the name of the circus. And she was an elephant attraction. As she grew, she developed a rep for being a bad elephant, and had incidents of attacking her handlers. And that's because most of her handlers were abusive pieces of shit right, sure. that beat her. And, I always take the elephant side. Yeah. But her rep got even worse when she killed a spectator. But it's because he kicked sand in her face and, like, burned her with a lit cigar. the fuck you think was going to happen? Yeah, yeah. She should have stomped the shit out of this guy. So, anyway, so she killed the fuck out of that guy. After that, she was sold to Luna Park, which is in Coney Island. Oh, we've been there. Yeah, yeah. And at Luna Park, she had a shitty alcoholic abusive handler there, of course. And after a while, they felt she couldn't be handling anymore, so they were going to execute her. Mm-hmm. So, they were going to hang her. Like, that's the thing. They were going to oh, hang this elephant. It's fucked up. But actually, the ASPCA stepped in and said that was too cruel. But I don't know how the fuck you hang an elephant anyway. So anyway, there were other ways discussed to do it, such as poisoning and electrocution. But both of those things done separately have been botched before. So they just did everything. They basically, they poisoned her before mm. they led her to the execution. And then on that day in January of 1903, they let her out. And they had like press photographers everywhere. There was like 1,500 spectators. Like it was a thing. Mm. And also there was an Edison kinetoscopes were out there. That's where that film came from. And that's where they filmed it, and they executed her, and she died. It's fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, you having fun? <laughs> having a good time? I'm like, how long is this episode going to be? Can it, and it be? Can it be 10 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I said I, it the intro. Are, am I going to have to react to every time you do this? Am I going to have to be like, oh, my God, that's awful? Like, no, no, no. You can just, okay. just do it all now. I might just, like, b- blank just out. Blank out Cry for a minute. Inside. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Fun fact on this whole thing. Well, it's not really a fun fact. But although the Edison Film Company was there and they recorded this incident, Thomas Edison was not. It was just his film company. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought he was there, but they also thought that this whole execution was done so he could kind of show how direct current was better than alternating current. See, at the time, he was sort of in what was known as the current wars with Westinghouse. Yeah, sure. Well, he's the electricity guy. So. Right. And so and Westinghouse was too, and they were fighting over direct current and alternating current, ACDC. And it was basically the VHS and beta battle of its time. Mm -hmm. And Edison did electrocute other animals to show that whatever, because he's a dick. But this wasn't part of that whole thing. Anyway, I just thought I would throw that in there. So let's move on to something a little more pleasant. There's nothing more pleasant. I was like, what? (laughs) There's nothing more pleasant here. All right. So we're going to move on. So one thing I do want to add here, and I am going to talk about this, even though I said I was going to talk about nature documentaries, is that I'm just going to mention this real quick. But there was a movie that came out five years later, and it was just 12 minutes long, but it's called Whaling Afloat and Ashore, and this is from 1908. And essentially, this is just a documentary that showed a whaling company kill a whale, skin it. My ancestors were whalers. Mm -hmm. That says a lot. Yep. 
so I completely understand how to kill a whale. It takes days. Yeah. 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 And, and this film shows the process of mm. it. A lot of people associate this movie with being kind of close to the modern documentary in that it's just showing the subject matter as just a detached nature documentary and being one of the first. Yeah. So my great, great, great maybe great-grandfather was a whaler off of Montauk in Long Island. And he wrote a book called Whale Off. It's basically written in another language because it's written by whalers that had no contact with like outside humanity besides uh, on Montauk. And we all have the book. We have a copy of the book that we, you know, we've passed around or whatever. But yeah, so basically if you brought in a whale back then, which was, you know, the mid-1800s, it took, basically the whole town had to come out. You had to have three boats. It took them three days to bring in a whale and kill them. And then, you know, you sold it for oil and meat and all that stuff. Right. But it brought in the equivalent of right now, what is $800,000. So if you saw a whale, then the whole town went out to go get that whale because everybody walked away $800,000 richer. Oh, wow. There's a lot of money yeah, for yeah, yeah. a whale, which now no one has any use for. No. A dead whale. Yeah. Right. And that concludes whale history. So did he uh, did he tackle Mocha Dick? But <laughs> I don't know. He never talked about Mocha Dick, but uh, hmm. might be in the book. Maybe so. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on. So the next movie I want to talk about, I did talk about this before on Dead on Set, but it's worth noting again. It's called The Charge of the Light Brigade, and that's from 1936. During filming, as I mentioned before, they used tripwires on the horses during the charge scenes. And a lot of legs were broken, and these you know animals had to be put down. But a number of them also like died right there. Mm. So the film would just kind of cut after the horse landed, but a lot of them were like killed, you know, on film, and they just cut it out. Errol Flynn was in this movie, and he got so pissed off at it that he uh, almost beat the shit out of the director, a guy named Michael Curtis. Because this movie was so egregious with you know treating animals, the U.S. Congress passed laws to protect animals in motion pictures after this movie. Okay. That, there's some good news, Tom. Yeah. I'm going to point out every time you say something that like lightens the mood a little bit. Right. I have a clip for you to watch here, but you know what? You probably don't want to watch it. You can if you want, but... I got it up. I'll watch it. Okay, go ahead and watch it then. The Light Brigade rides again, and a glorious story lives again, sweeping you across thousands of miles of Asia. From the battlefield of Balaclava to the historic Khyber Pass is woven the story of two brothers in love with the same woman and the kisses that turned the tide of empire. Sorry, so what it actually shows is they fire these cannons in a separate shot, and then they cut to all the horses running, and then the horses basically you can i mean you, now that you told me i can tell that there was trip wire there yeah so it's that the cannons are are hitting or somehow affecting these horses yeah like they're and, being brought down by and cannon that's fire. what in the plot of the movie that's what's happening that's what's happening got it got it but they're actually injuring and killing these animals right, sure. as they're filming this yeah because of that right so it's horse snuff yeah essentially yeah next movie i want to talk about is called jesse james from 1939 And a horse was killed during a scene in this movie where it was ridden off a cliff into a river. The horse broke his back and, like, died right there. It was fucking terrible. At this point, the public was outraged at this, and the American Humane Association opened an office in Hollywood in 1940, a year after this happened. And through an agreement with the Screen Actors Guild and the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors Association, which is the MPA now, they got the authority to monitor all animal action and care on movie sets. Looks like I'm watching it right now. It looks like, is it two horses? I couldn't tell in my research. I don't know if it was might filmed have been twice the same or it might have been the same. Shot. I think it's the same shot, but what, filmed a dummy differently. Human? Or the human is a real human. Supposedly a stuntman rode it out, rode that <sighs> horse down. Yeah. 
Looks like a harder fall for a horse. Ew, the horse really hits it hard. Yeah, died. Okay, so I want to touch on Ben-Hur next from 1959. Although there's another Ben-Hur from 1925 that also had similar issues with horses like wrecked chariots and everything, and people died from that, and horses died from that. But in the 1959 version, it was like upwards to 100 dead horses, and of course they're getting injured in frame and stuff too, but you don't really linger on the fact that they're dead there. But yeah, a lot of those horses died as well, and it was sort of an uproar at the time. So Ben-Hur is, is known for the fact that just so many of these animals died while filming the chariot scene, right? But this is also in 1959, 20 years after the AHA opened an office in Hollywood and would visit movie sets. This is also well after the Hayes Code, too. So if you if you look at the Hayes Code, which states in its guidelines uh, not to show apparent cruelty to children and animals, so film submitted would have to cut out explicit scenes of animal endangerment. So if it happened, they would cut them out to meet the Hays Code. However, when the Hays Code ended, and especially around the 60s and 70s, that's when a lot of people were like, fuck it, and they could show more you know, animals in danger and would show more animals in danger and animals' death in movies. We'll definitely talk more about that. So the first film I want to talk about that's kind of a post Hays Code movie that shows animal death is the movie Weekend from 1967 by Jean-Luc Godard. Mm -hmm. According to IMDb, it's about a supposedly idyllic weekend trip to the countryside that turns into an endless nightmare of traffic jams, revolution, cannibalism, and murder. I watched this in film school. I think it's known because it's got a long tracking shot of a traffic jam at the very beginning of it. But in the movie... And I've never seen this movie, and you may not remember this, but there's a scene where a live pig gets strung up and his throat's cut, and then a goose gets killed as well. Mm. And it's on screen, I imagine, yep. from what I've heard. So, And that was controversial at the time. I mean, it's controversial now, but anyway, that's real live animal death in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. And then there's Pink Flamingos from 1972. <laughs> But, you know, it's funny. I guess you could look at it funny. In a movie full of fucked up scenes, the one I'm about to talk about is probably the third disturbing scene in it. Nobody ever talks about it. Yeah, because... It's the opening scene in the movie. You want me to talk about it? Well, go ahead and talk about it. The chicken scene is in the opening of it, like right after the credits... It's Crackers, Divine Son, picks up a hooker, yeah, who turns out to be a mole later, and they go to have sex in his room, which is basically a barn, Mm -hmm. and he wants the chicken involved (laughs) in it, yeah, but in a not very sexy way. I mean, I don't think any chicken is sexy, but... He takes the chicken and he's trying to stuff it in between the two of them. And he keeps saying, take this goddamn chicken. Yeah. And the chicken's kind of getting beat up a little bit. Like, it's definitely not enjoying itself. She's not enjoying it. Nobody's it's, enjoying this. Nobody's. Scene. I mean, I guess he did, but I, I don't know. <laughs> and then Cookie Mueller is like watching it and like getting off. Yeah, yeah. Which is his sister, I think. And uh, two chickens were used in that and one of them ended up dying. Yeah. But yeah, so I had to talk about Pink Flamingos. Uh, the next movie I want to talk about is a little less controversial overall, but still has animal, real animal death in it. And that's Sam Peckinpah's 1974 film, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Mm. And it juxtaposes shooting a man off his horse with shooting chickens' heads off that are buried up to their necks for sport. Mm. And supposedly the chickens were live chickens. I watched a scene, and a very similar scene comes up next. I'll talk about that, but hold on to that and remember that because I'm going to kind of come back to that whole theme of juxtaposing a human death with a real animal death. Okay. And actually, my next movie talks about that. So the next movie is Apocalypse Now from 1979. You've seen this movie. I've seen this movie. Francis Ford Coppola's Vietnam version of The Heart of Darkness. And it has a scene in it showing the actual killing of a buffalo in the climax of the movie. Do you remember that? You know, that's one of those movies that I saw one time and was like, that's great. And I <laughs> never watched it again. I watched it again for this episode. 
And it's a well shot, well done movie. But the scene in question here, and the scene I'm talking about, it's the scene where Martin Sheen, spoiler for, you know, 40 something year old movie, Martin Sheen finally sneaking into Marlon Brando's little compound to kill him. And he has this hatchet and he is swinging and killing him. And at the same time, it juxtaposes the shot with the tribe's people actually killing a buffalo. And then it cuts back and forth. So this is like a major motion picture. How did they get away with doing this in real life after basically the studios wouldn't allow you to kill any animals anymore? The way he got away with it and the way he did it was, as it turns out, the buffalo was already marked for ritual sacrifice by the indigenous tribe that was part of the cast Mm -hmm. that were acting as the tribe. That was Marlon Brando's tribe at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So they were already going to kill this thing as a sacrifice, whether the, the movie is rolling or not. So Coppola basically just filmed that. Mm-hmm. A little sketchy. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he wouldn't have asked for that or had that happen if they weren't going to already do it. At least that's what he says. He wasn't going to say, mm-hmm. hey, I want to kill this buffalo. He saw a target of opportunity and he seized it because they were going to do this as part of their own ritual and cook mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. buffalo and do whatever they're going to do with it. But you've got two movies that used real animal death to enhance the on-screen, you know, simulated death of a character, of a human being. I think to give it more realism. Sure. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. So you know what my next film is, don't you? You gotta know what my next film is. I'm trying to pretend like this isn't happening, so (laughs) I don't know. Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a whole genre of animal killing. Like, that just wasn't one movie. No, 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 certainly not. But I had to mention it in here because this is probably, like, the crown achievement of animal killing in film. It's fucking horrible. And, I mean, it's not a good movie anyway, but for those who don't know this movie... (laughs) I like it. I do like that it exists, but I've really only seen it once and I have no urge to ever watch it again. I've seen it a few times. (laughs) (laughs) I don't watch when they kill the animals because also the scenes are very long. Like when they kill that turtle, that is like a seven minute scene of them just stabbing the turtle like over and over and over again. So I never watch during that. It's really really horrifying. I never watch those parts or like the monkey or anything. Yeah. As a genre of film, I think it's important. Fair enough. I'm not arguing that. I, like I said, I'm glad it exists, but it is not one I could enjoy more often. Probably if they cut those scenes out, I'd, I'd be a little bit better with it. But the movie had only been an hour long. Well, so, <laughs> I mean, they pad those movies down with stuff, with shocking right. stuff like that, because right. there's not a lot of plot structure, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. So let me go and just kind of describe the, the movie, at least to people, if they... I feel like if you've listened, never to, the listened show, to this podcast yeah, before, we talk about it every other show, episode. Yeah, because we've talked about this before. But the movie is Italian, because all these cannibal movies are Italian. And his name's Ru- Ruggiero Diodato. Is that how you say it? Ruggiero? Mm. Ru- short. How do you say it? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, his intent was to fuck people up with this movie, and he certainly did. Anyway, the movie is a... F- half fake documentary about this film crew that goes to the Amazon to film this tribe and then this tribe ends up killing them all and eating them because well first of all the film crew is a bunch of dicks and they just provoke them and then they end up getting killed it's and, not real though I mean, none it's of it's not real, real. But none it of it's pretends real. like it's real the only thing real is when they also pad the time, like you just said, with the killing of actual animals that are shown on screen. Yep. And I'm just going to just list them. You talked about a turtle, which was like a 40-minute scene of a turtle getting killed (laughs) and and torn apart. There's a muskrat that gets stabbed. Mm. There's a tarantula that's chopped up the machete, a snake that's beheaded. The monkey you mentioned that is decapitated, and I guess they eat brains. It's gross. Yep. And then a small pig is tethered to a stake and repeatedly kicked and shot. Oh, right, yeah. And so, I mean, you might as well call this movie Animal Holocaust. 
else. Yeah. But again, this is actually very similar if you want to look at it to the other two movies I talked about because they're using this animal death to add realism to the documentary. Right. They're trying to make it seem as real as as possible. When the actual documentary film crew is like murdered, that it, I mean, they wanted to trick people and they did. I mean, it was. Well, yeah, and I I was going to talk about that. So, fun fact on that, because it seemed so realistic, Diodato was almost charged for murder in Italy and he had to prove that these actors were still alive. But what made matters more difficult is he had had them sign contracts to not appear while the film right. was in they circulation. They went into hiding. They went into hiding. So he had to pull them out of hiding and say, look, I didn't fucking kill these people. Or he was going to go to jail for that. Yeah, he got in tr- a lot of trouble for the animal killing, too. I mean, yeah. there were fines and stuff like that. The studios were charged. And, you know, he was creating something new. He certainly did. And, yeah. you know, wanted to go for the full shocky schlockiness that he could. And, you know, it's not an American film. So, but he was tried right. for that. And they did pay a lot of fines for killing animals. And, and I think it changed a lot of the way that films are shot in Italy as well. It just took another 90 years, I guess. Yeah. Four young and fearless Americans, children of the space age, armed with cameras, microphones, and curiosity. Four youngsters who never came back. Are they still alive? And if so, where are they? These are the questions that the rescue team sponsored by New York University and the Pan American Broadcasting System hope to be able to answer. Another cannibal movie I'm going to talk about real quick is Cannibal Faro from 1981. Barocks. It's actually it's pronounced. I know this because I mispronounced it in my cannibalism uh, episode and looked it back up again and thought, all right, the next time it comes up, I'll pronounce it right. It Did we get actual... feedback where people like, you said it wrong? No, I don't know. I think it was one of those things that like after we recorded the first couple episodes, like, you know, you listen to them a few times, you just realize all the mistakes that you made, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. and now we don't really give a shit anymore. But I really kind of like whipped myself over a lot of the mistakes <laughs> in the first one so i've tried to be a little bit better but yeah it was one of the ones Car- cannibal ferox all right cannibal ferox from 1981 and there's also real animal in death because it's another italian cannibal movie and there's a killing of a muskrat in this leopards killing a monkey mutilations of a crocodile and a turtle fun fact there's a scene where a wild boar is killed on screen the main actor was supposed to do it but refused to do so and so the director umberto Lindsay tried to convince the lead to do the killings by telling him Robert De Niro would do it, to which he responded, De Niro would kick your ass all the way back to Rome. So amazing. Lin- yeah. So Lindsay ended up getting a stand-in for the scene. By the way, there's a whole bunch of, like you said, there's a whole bunch of examples of Italian movies where they do this, but these are the two prominent ones. part of the genre. Yeah. Part of the, the cannibalism genre of the 80s, late 70s and 80s, was just was animal killing. Yeah. You know, real Fucking animal killing. That's- horrible. Are you just talking about fucking the boar? No. Oh. There's another movie called Prisoner of the Cannibal God with Ursula Andress and Stacy Keach, I think. I don't know. I'm pulling this one out of nowhere. But, and there's a scene of where they're doing this like ritualistic, you know, kind of like shit or whatever. It's the same, you know, documentary filmmakers, you know, like whatever. And then there's a scene of this guy and he's fucking a a boar. But the boar's huge. I mean, you know, the boar probably bare, if if the guy was entering this, which I'm sure he was not, (laughs) the boar probably didn't even know. <laughs> this the the guy compared to the boar like the guy was a very small person it was a huge boar and he's just like pumping it away but I don't think it was real. I can't wait for you to do bestiality as part of our next six episode run. I can do it now. (laughs) All right, let's move on from this sordid affair. And this is the last one I'm going to discuss. So that's live. That's real. Is Old Boy from 2003. Mm. Did you ever see this movie? 
Yeah, this one was never like I love the Japanese, you know, kind of horror films. This one was wasn't really a horror film. I thought it was for some reason. Yeah. It's a little bit more of a like it's a thriller kind of mystery, like kind a of, walking tall kind of know. you know Japanese. But it's gross. It's gory. It's got some gore in it. It's got some great scenes. People talk about this one long hallway scene where he fights his way through a crowd with a hammer. Yeah, and it's basically one take. It's I pretty like that awesome. Part. That's really yeah. cool. It was but, good. It's just it's not really my thing, you know. And I never saw the remake. Yeah, I never. Saw it either. Yeah. I heard it was garbage. Yeah. But the point of this movie that I'm bringing it up is there's a scene where the the main character, he just was released from this hotel room that he spent 15 years in. He doesn't know why. It's a mystery. It's weird. And he goes to this restaurant, I guess it's a sushi place, and he basically says he wants to eat something that's alive. And they give him like an octopus. And he like, in one take, chews and eats this octopus while it's all wrapping around his hand. Mm, yeah, I remember it's that. Really yeah. disgusting. And the actor actually ate it. And I think he did it like three times. Yeah. I mean, you can do that in Japan today. I know, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's kind of disturbing. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to do it. It's squirming around in my mouth. Gross. All right, so I'm, I'm going to put the live animal, real animal death aside. Great. For now. I know you're happy to hear that. And now I'm going to move on to the simulated animal death in movies. And the first one I want to talk about is Old Yeller from 1957. Okay. So Old Yeller, everyone knows this story. You talked about it in your rabies episode. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a small farm and this guy and his family, they adopt this dog. I guess his son adopts the dog. They find Old Yeller as a puppy, I believe. It's been years since I saw this movie. Yeah, I and he grows up with it and everything. And then the dog is kind of kick-ass. Like, I think he yeah. fights like cougars and no, shit. No, bear, yeah. Oh, he fought a bear. That's how he gets it. And then the bear gives him rabies, and then it gets to the point where they have to lock the dog up, and they hope he heals, but he ends up getting rabies, and he's rabid, and he's insane, and so they have to shoot him, and it's super, super the sad. The dad makes the boy shoot That's his right. own dog. Yeah. yeah. To teach him a lesson. Yeah. That so did he make him or did the, awful. Did he make him do it, or did the boy volunteer to do it? I think it? he's like, I'll do it, Pa. I think you're Something right. Something like that. But yeah, yeah. It's the, that's the worst part of it, is that the boy has to shoot his own dog. Right. It's not that his dad's like, go in the other room and shut the door. Like, he shoots his own dog. That's that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing about yeah. it. And it's super It's the sad. responsibility of being a man. That's the whole thing, which yeah. I obviously know a lot about. <laughs> Yeah, I my mean, dad yeah. told me all of that. He was crushed by Old Yeller. He still talks about Old Yeller like a they were best friends. Were fucked yeah. up by this movie. Yeah. Now it doesn't show him shooting Old Yeller. You know, it shows him put the gun in the thing, and you hear the sound and yeah. the reactions and stuff. But yeah, the whole theme is that he had to kill this dog, and it's really disturbed and fucked up a lot of people. No, Mama. There's no hope for him now, Travis. Suffering. You know we've got to do it. I know, Mama. He was my dog. I'll do it. On a similar note, there's a movie called Where the Red Fern Grows from 1974. Oh, sure, yeah. And that's even like ups the ante because it's two dogs and one of them ends up getting killed. I think they're fighting mountain lions or something. And one dog like dies from having to fight the mountain lion. They bury it. And then the other dog basically goes, is so sad, it goes to the other dog's grave and it's fucking dies. It dies. And they bury that one, and then red fern grows. But like they're like, this sucks. Yeah, we had to. I mean, that was a middle school book. That was what young adult used to be. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Before uh, Harry Potter, but uh, yeah, we had to read that in middle school, and everybody cried. Yeah, yeah, it's depressing. And the thing is, like, and I just want to point out. So I watched the scene, and they're fighting. Like they have a mountain lion in there, and they have I. 
let me back up and say I refrained from talking about animals in danger that even though they didn't die in the narrative, they were clearly looked like they were distressed or in danger mm-hmm. in these movies. But it kind of looked like that during yeah. the fighting scene where I know these were trained animals, but it looked like they were scrapping, you know? Yeah, sure. Well, the other thing, too, is now as a recent dog owner and mm-hmm. also expert, that is how dogs are, you know? Like, my dog will... She's a tiny little wimp, you know, but like when she gets around other dogs, they're like up on their hind legs and they're like chewing at each other and biting yeah, yeah, at yeah. each other or whatever. And I'm like, Ugh. and everyone's <laughs> like, they're just playing. And I'm like, this looks awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like calm down, everyone. That's how you play. Yeah, yeah. Very aggressive. Very, yeah. Be nice. All right. Keeping with the dog theme. And actually a few of these are dogs here. I want to talk about the thing next. John Carpenter's the thing. So one of my favorite movies, it starts off, if you haven't seen it, watch this movie, but it it starts off, there's a dog that enters this camp that's in Antarctica. It's isolated from everything else. And these Swedish people or whatever, or Norwegians rather, are trying to kill this dog. And the the people at the camp, uh, Kurt Russell and his crew, just think that the Norwegians are crazy. But as it turns out, the dog is the thing in disguise. And when they put it in the kennel with the other dogs and it's left alone, there's a scene where it opens up and has all these tentacles and it basically starts consuming the dogs. And it's pretty graphic. They come in there and they try to stop it and end up shooting the other dogs who are clearly in pain and stuff. You know, it's all special effects, but it's it's pretty gross and yeah, disgusting. It is gross. Especially it's a dog scene, killing though, scene. But know. it's a good scene. Yeah. And the effects are great in that movie. It's it's again one of my favorites. But that scene was pretty disturbing. If you've never seen it before and you love dogs, it's fucked up. Yep. Next movie I want to talk about is Cujo from nineteen eighty three. You talked about this one in, in rabies, rabies too. Yeah. And it's about a Saint Bernard that terrorizes a woman or son after it gets rabies from is it a rabbit or a bat? A bat. Okay. And then at the end, so watching the scene where she shoots it. You know, it just shows him running toward her and she shoots the gun from its point of view. It never shows her, like, blowing the dog no. away. But she kills the dog. And you kind of feel sad for the dog, even though, because it didn't, it's got rabies. It doesn't know. You yeah. Know? He was sweet, too, he at the was, beginning of the movie. Big guy, but. All right. So for the next three films, I'm going to switch it up a little bit because what you'll notice in the next movies I'm talking about is that they use animal death more in a comedic sense which is like a total sea change from what we've been talking about. The first example I want to use is National Lampoon's Vacation from 1983. I'm sure most people remember this movie. It's the first movie in the Vacation franchise, you know, and it stars, you know... Yeah, Chevy Chase. and Yeah. Anyway, he's taking his family to Wally World, sort of like a Disney World surrogate, and there's a bunch of problems. They're driving, and a bunch of shit happens. And one of the plot points is they end up having to drive their Aunt Edna, I think, to like Vegas or whatever. And she has her dog who's like a real asshole. And the dog hates Clark, Chevy Chase's character, so it's always biting him, fucking with him. Anyway, there's a point in the movie where he has to tie the dog to the bumper to load up the car. And he forgets about the dog. And they're driving down the road and he ends up getting pulled over by a cop. And of course, the cop stops him and starts berating him about the fact that you left this dog in your bumper and blah, blah, blah. And it's all fucked up. Explain this, you son of a bitch. Oh, my God. You know what the penalty for animal cruelty is in this state? No, sir, I don't. Well, it's probably pretty stiff. Oh, you can't think I'd do this on purpose, sir. I Look, I, I, I tied him to the rear bumper when I was packing the car. I, uh, it was very confusing. I must have forgot. I, I'm very sorry. I feel terrible. How do you think that little dog feels? It really was an accident. Yeah. Well, I guess I can buy that, sir. Poor little guy. Probably kept up with you for a mile or so tough little mutt yeah they're playing it for comedy i mean it's dark comedy but it's really just 
animal death play. You never see a dog dragged down the road. It's not right. there's nothing you just graphic. See the the, the leash, leash on the bumper. and there's nothing on the there's end nothing of it. on yeah. the end of it. But it's played for comedy. Uh, the next one is uh, Fish Called Wanda from 1988. Oh yeah, and it's a fun like British heist movie, and it's got Jamie Lee Curtis and a bunch of John Cleese. John Cleese is in it, and there's a lot of twists and turns and double crosses. It's a lot of fun if you haven't seen it. But there's a running plot line where a character is trying to kill the only eyewitness to like the robbery, and it's an old lady who has three small dogs, and every time he tries to repeatedly try to kill her, he accidentally ends up killing one of her dogs instead. Mm-hmm. And he's horrified every time he does it. Like, he's distressed that he's, like, killed another dog. By the time the third dog dies, the old lady dies from a heart attack. But again, this is totally played for laughs. Yeah, it's a good gag. That was, like, one of the only R-rated movies I was... I don't think I was allowed to see. I think we just, somebody had a copy of it. And yeah. So we're all like sitting around at night after my parents go to bed watching a fish called Wanda. It's the most like non R rated, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. a sexy thriller at no, all. No, no, like, no. But I mean, we didn't have access to much back then. We didn't have the internet. So no, we didn't. Yeah, but that's a great movie. It's a yeah. good one. And then Christmas Vacation, the sequel to National Lampoon's Vacation. Everybody knows this movie. A lot of people watch it at Christmas time. But anyway, there's a scene where a cat chews Christmas tree lights under a chair, and then it just sort of explodes. And all you see is like a black mark where the cat used to be. So that's played mm-hmm. for yeah. comedy as well. Next movie we're talking about is Pet Cemetery from 1989. Mm. What episode did you bring this one up in? Kids That Kill. Okay. Gage. Gage was a kid that kills. Yeah, I might have talked about him kid killing because you see him die at the end. You did talk about him, yeah. But what you also see is Church, the cat. Mm-hmm. And they, they bring the cat back to life first before the kid and everybody else comes back to life. And the cat's all wrong and fucked up. And finally, before the dad decides to kill his son, he kills the, the cat first with this needle. Yeah, it sticks a needle in his neck. Yeah, and it just sort of gets all loopy and dies. And, you know, this was actually on film. They didn't kill this cat. But clearly this cat was given something because it was all loopy and this kind of fell over. Mm-hmm. As it turned out... They cat was sedated by a veterinary on the set and the AHA was there present and the cat made a full recovery but it looked like he actually fucking yeah, killed this thing. over yeah yeah next movie we want to talk about is turner and hooch did you ever see this movie? <laughs> yeah, in the theater. No, that's not true. It's not in the theater. I saw it on VHS, and I actually had the movie poster, too, because remember at the video store? Yeah. You would go to the video store, and they would have, like, a cardboard box full of all the old posters that yeah, yeah, they yeah. put in the windows, and mm-hmm. they were free. Or they would be a dollar, you know? Yeah, yeah. They'd be cheap. And I had a Turner and Hooch poster, <laughs> just because I took whatever was in there. You yeah, know, yeah. I love movies, so, yeah. It's so a funny. big, giant Turner and Hooch poster. Did you ever actually watch it? Yeah, I saw it when I was a kid. It's a it's a buddy movie it's, it's a, a cop, cop movie. movie is hooch a cop yeah 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 and tom hanks yeah hooch is yeah, a yeah. cop dog and tom Han- no i'm wrong tom hanks is a cop hooch was like i think a witness he witnessed a murder, murder. <laughs> and so, so it became how a many, buddy movie with a dog how many movies does a, a dog witness a murder i don't know about that but there's another movie called canine that came around the same year that yeah I remember was a, like a police dog and had james belushi but Turner and Hooch has this dog with Tom Hanks, and it's sort of a, a light buddy cop movie. But then the dog like jumps in front of Tom Hanks when someone's about to shoot him, and the dog gets shot and fucking dies. Is that, is that what happens? Yeah, at the, the end? dog dies. It's sad. And I oh, think yeah, a lot of people were pissed off about that because they didn't know it going in. The trailer doesn't say anything about that. It's like, oh, it's a buddy cop movie with dogs. And considering like the movie Canine I was just talking about, also has a dog getting shot, but it lives at the end. I think did a little bit better. I actually think Turner and Hooch didn't do as well. And I think Tom Hanks and a lot of other people that were in the movie think that because the dog died, it didn't do as well. Uh-huh. Well, that's yeah. exactly what happened in The Bodyguard when Kevin Costner jumped in front of Whitney Houston at the Oscars <laughs> when the killer almost shot her too. So The oh, Bodyguard yeah. did well 
though. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Costner didn't die in the movie, though. No, he? he didn't. But when they kiss at the very end, he's got a cast on. So oh. he got shot in the shoulder or something. Yeah. If he'd have died, people probably would have been pissed off. Or if he, Not what, me. I would have been like, go ahead, kill Kevin Costner. I mean, fair. Or now if he was a dog, that would have been better. Yeah, yeah. So The bodyguard <laughs> starring Whitney Houston starring, and a dog. And Hooch. <laughs> That would have been great. But anyway, hold on to that theme, too, because that also comes back around with the fact that the dog dying is kind of a surprise and pisses people off. Next movie I'm going to discuss real quick is Dances with Wolves. Speaking of Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. that's a nice segue. Mm-hmm. So that's the, you know, the movie where he's out in the woods, hangs out with the Native Americans, and he's a soldier. Anyway, there's a, a wolf in that movie called Two Socks, and he comes around and Kevin Costner feeds it or whatever. But anyway, there's a scene where uh, these other Union soldiers come around, and they basically start shooting the wolf to kill it. And it's actually yeah. fairly graphic. It's sort of there's disturbing. There's a big thing about Two Socks, like back when that movie came out, because that movie was a huge deal. Yeah. And then it won like 15 oscars yeah it was a massive deal yeah, yeah. and so that whole scene especially how graphic quote-unquote it was it was pretty disturbing yeah and it was filmed that way and we'll talk about that a couple of movies i want to run through kind of quickly so pet cemetery 2 <laughs> do you ever see this movie i mean i did back in the day but had edward furlong in it but the only reason i want to bring that up is no he's alive edward furlong's alive yes Yes, <laughs> yes, I he's just still alive. saw him in something, some him. some ice spiders movie, and I was like, "Oh, Edward Furlong's still alive." Yeah. Interesting. Don't set him up yeah. for that. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Ed. Anyway, in this movie, there's what looks like a rabbit gets killed and skinned, and there's a, a dog that gets shot. That's limping around. They basically tied the dog's leg to make it look like it was shot. So you see that, mm-hmm. but there's some animals killed in that, but yeah. and kind of disturbing. There's Man's Best Friend from 1993. I talked about this movie before with Ali Sheedy, Lance Hendrickson. Yeah, and your critters, critter, that kill. Cr- critters That Kill. Yeah, yeah Cuddly and, Critters That Kill. Yeah, and it's for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a mutated dog that was stolen from a lab by Ali Sheedy. And it's like a lovable mastiff, but he's also like an unstoppable killer. And he can climb trees, eat a cat hole, he can pee acid, and he can cloak himself like Predator, and he does all these things in the movie. At the end, he gets shot with a shotgun on screen, and it's sad. They also play it for sadness at the end, too, which... Because the dog was kind of nice, you know. But, I mean, he fucking killed people and shit. Killed a mailman. Right, but it was their fault. They, like, they made him radioactive. Like, he wasn't born that way. Right. They made him have acidic pee. Right. It's like the same thing with rabies. It's like, (laughs) that's not the real dog. Something has taken them over. Yeah, so it's still sad when you shoot him at the end. Yeah. And then my next movie moving on is Gummo from 1997. So, at the beginning of this movie, it shows a kid grab a cat and it looks like he's drowning the cat in, like, a barrel. He does that because he's selling it to like a local restaurant or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was a fucked up movie. I love that movie. I mean, I do too, but it's a fucked up movie. It's really a fine film. Yeah. Now, the good thing about that, it kind of shows him drowning it, but this is clearly a stuffed cat. It is completely fake looking. And, you know, reading the background about it, all the cats were used were either fake or were actually already dead. There was, because there's a scene where they are shooting a cat's body with a BB gun. Mm-hmm. I think that was a, a real cat, but it was dead. So, right. no cats were harmed in the making of the movie, but it's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, the whole movie's fucked up. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those movies where you're like, is this real or or is this? Yeah. Well, it's and intercut like, with real and real? fake because yeah. he, he a... shot real people in that town. Yeah. And then he had his actors be white trash in there. Right. That movie's just super disturbing. Oh, I, I feel it. like we need to watch it again sometime. I love that movie. But not not today. Yeah. Watch Gummo, y'all. And tell us Don't what watch think. Gummo. <laughs> Next movie, I Am Legend from 2007. Did you see this movie? Yeah, I've seen it a few times, especially during pandemic. I just watched all of the apocalypse movies just to make it worse, like just to make the whole situation worse. And I watched, I've seen I Am Legend, I don't know, probably five times. Yeah, yeah. 
It's good. It's a yeah, good movie. It's a good movie. I like everything except the design they used for the people. It's so dated and shitty. They should have just dressed people up like the descent. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and well, they, that's I think it would have what they did. It just wasn't as good. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a scene where, you know, he has his dog with him. It's his only company. Sad. The dog saves him from one of the attacks gets injured and then it slowly starts turning and he has to break his neck and of course it cuts away from him but it's a long scene where it zooms into him holding his, his dog friend. and the Everyone dog starts else changing the dead. it's yeah. his only friend and he has really to kill his own scene. dog yeah yeah and you feel bad for the dog next film kind of getting near the end here grand budapest hotel from 2014 mm. you got a clip i do here i want you to watch the scene not agreed this stinks throw my cat out the window? I don't think so. So it's like just watch that scene. It's not that disturbing, but it's clearly played for comedy. Yeah, sure. Where Jeff Goldblum has a cat that ends up getting thrown out of the window by a gangster played by Willem Dafoe. He just grabs the cat. Or I think he's holding it. Yeah. And he just throws it out the window when they leave to just emphasize the point that they're not fucking around. And he's like, did you throw my cat out the window? And then you look down and it's kind of splayed out on the ground. Kinda like, all, like on all f- <laughs> four splayed yeah. out, you know, like comically dead. Right. So that was clearly played for laughs. So the last movie I want to talk about is John Wick from 2014. Have you seen this movie? No. So it's a Keanu Reeves action movie. It's actually quite good. I've heard many people talk about it and how I have to see all the John Wick movies and I just ignore them completely. So I'm not going to say you need to see all of them or any of them. But the point I want to make about this movie is that one of the big plot points is that these gangsters break into his house because they want to steal his car. They don't know who he is. He's apparently a badass. But they kill his puppy when they break into his house. Mm. And that puppy was given to him by his wife who died a little while ago. So that was his only connection to his wife. So he basically goes on a killing spree because he kills puppy. Oh, really? Yeah. got that. But that scene, and I've talked to people about it, that was like a scene that kind of brought a lot of people out of the movie. Like, I knew some people like, fuck this movie. I'm not going to watch anymore because mm-hmm. that, this puppy was killed. Yeah. And it doesn't show anything. You just hear a yip, and then you see the dead, what looks like a dead puppy on the ground. Yeah. Suggesting they murdered it. But anyway, I just wanted to bring up that movie because that's the latest one that I think stood out to me. So let's go back and look at all these examples for a second. So in the early days of the Hayes Code and even before, they put animals in danger and killed them for dramatic purposes, but it wasn't to show the animals dying. Like, they weren't using that as a narrative purpose. That was more of a byproduct of the shitty way they filmed animal scenes. For instance, yes, they wanted to show the drama of a cannon maybe hitting a bunch of troops, and so their horses horses fell down and quote-unquote died. And the way they did it was they used tripwires, which ultimately killed horses. But the point of the narrative wasn't to show graphic animal death on scene, but that was just a byproduct of their filming. Mm -hmm. However, once you get into the 60s, 70s, and 80s, way past the Hays Code, you start seeing animal deaths used to shock and disgust viewers or to show depravities. For example, Pink Flamingos, Old Boy, Weekend, Cannibal for Rocks, and Cannibal Holocaust. Or to add weight to the fictional deaths on screen, such as Pat Garrett or Apocalypse Now. Or to give the impression that all the death in the movie is real. Cannibal Holocaust again. Mm -hmm. However, look at the films with the simulated death in them. First of all, you notice right away that the majority of these deaths were used for dramatic purposes. Some might be considered shocking, but not in a way to disgust viewers. Look at Old Yeller, or Where the Red Fern Grows, or even Turner and Hooch. Or even Marley and Me, which I didn't talk about, but it's another fucking dead dog movie. Mm-hmm. And you basically have a whole dead dog that makes you cry subgenre of films. Hell, you can even put Cujo and Man's Best Friend into this category because their deaths are still treated as tragic somewhat. Even though these animals are the antagonists of this movie, 
it's really not their fault. That they can't help their nature because of whatever happened to them. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's plenty more where that came. And there's a million fucking dead dog movies that are sad. But the ones I've really found interesting in this whole topic were the more comedic deaths, the ones where they were trying to play it for a laugh, such as Vacation, Christmas Vacation, A Fish Called Wanda, or Grand Budapest Hotel. I always found that interesting that they try to f- squeeze dark comedy out of that. And even these days, you still have your shocking deaths that are simulated, like the deaths of the dog in The Thing, The Wolf and Dances with Wolves, and then... You've got even uh, the untimely death of John Wick's cute little puppy. Right. And it's interesting how these two methods of depicting animal death had different narrative purposes, but it makes sense. I mean, can you imagine if someone actually killed a dog and making old yeller just to suit the narrative or murdered a puppy in John Wick to add realism? Mm -hmm. That's fucked up. We as moviegoers like to know that what we are watching is fiction when it says fiction. We know you can't kill people for a film, but with there being such a long history of animals actually being killed making movies, it still bothers us to see it, even knowing that it's fake. I think we have developed a real sensitivity to animal violence in movies. And to prove my point, there have been incidences where a movie studio will actually let people know a featured animal will not die in a movie. For example, the movie A Mountain Between Us from 2017. Did you ever see this movie? Mm-mm. So it's starring Idris Elba and Kate Winslet, and it's about some travelers in a plane that crashed in this. the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they have to find their way out, and it has a dog in it, and it's featured in the trailers. 20th Century Fox on Twitter posted a spoiler assuring potential viewers that the dog that's on this harrowing journey alongside the main characters doesn't die. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oddly enough, it created a buzz. Some tweeted responses, including a quote that says, This is literally the most important feature of any movie I consider seeing. The dog must live. Bless you. That's nice. Yeah. This user later added, All other makers of movies take note. Either the dog lives or we won't even watch your movie on AMC. Others chimed in too, signing movies that had traumatized them because they didn't know a dog died in them, including I Am Legend and John Wick, as we talked about. Another Twitter user wrote, Someone in Fox's marketing department deserves a raise, considering how much this excellent spoiler increased opening weekend attendance. However, the movie... I was about to say, nobody saw great. this movie. Yeah. Idris didn't Elba didn't reviews. see this movie. Yeah. Kate Winslet didn't see this movie. Yeah, But, you know, thank God they prepped everyone about the dog not dying. Yeah. So, there's that. To go one step further, there's a website called DoesTheDogDie.com where you can look up (laughs) all types of spoilers such as dog, cat, horse, even dragon death. Mm -hmm. You can also look up non-animal violence stuff too like torture and other murder and burning alive. All different types of like death and violence. They also list that in this site too. So it's like a one-stop shop for anybody who wants to know how fucked up their movie is going to be. If you're upset by animal violence then it's the same thing as a parent guide on IMDB or you know if you don't want to watch that, then it makes sense. We obviously shouldn't start just spoilering every time anybody or anything happens in any movie, but right. I get why they did it for that. And I'm going to go one step further than that in regards to this phenomenon of animal death aversion and talk about a study from 2013 at Northeastern University that tried to find an explanation for this panicked reaction in viewers. Charting the reaction of 240 locals who randomly received one of four fictional news articles about the beating of a one-year-old child, an adult in his 30s, a puppy, or a six-year-old dog, the stories were identical except for the victim's identity. So they just changed the identity Mm -hmm. in the article. After reading their story, respondents were asked to rate their feelings of empathy toward the victim, and the study found that the victim 
who received the least amount of empathy was adult in his 30s. Mm -hmm. As one of the study's authors, a professor of sociology and criminology put it, it appears that adult humans are viewed as capable of protecting themselves, which lessen the subject's compassion toward them. Yeah, sure. These findings suggest something intriguing about how we process different types of fictional characters who are put into peril. Of course, we don't want the good guy to die, but to some degree, we accept that he's an adult with free will who knows what he's gotten himself into. By comparison, babies and animals provoke a heightened sense of outrage when they're hurt or killed. That impassioned response seems to stem from an innate sense of betrayal that people feel when storytellers break an unspoken but sacred trust with them. You can't kill an animal character for dramatic purposes. It's just wrong. Yet plenty of filmmakers disagree with this and still use animal death and torture for dramatic purposes. One of the latest examples I can find about that is the little duckling scene that gets its leg cut off in Lars von Trier's house that Jack built from 2018. So the duck mutilation was simulated. However, Von Trier has killed real animals in his movies before, and he doesn't really seem to have a problem with it. Same goes for Ruggiero Diodato, who directed Cannibal Holocaust. Although he, these days he seems like maybe he regrets killing those animals on his films, but his mindset at the time was, you know, this is cinema and we want this to be as realistic as possible, so we're going to do it. Even your favorite shockmeister, John Waters, had this to say when asked about uh, the chicken scene in Pink Flamingos, as you mentioned it before, and he defended his action by saying, Animal rights activists always say to me, how could you kill a chicken for a movie? Well, I eat chicken, and I know the chicken didn't land on my plate from a heart attack. We bought the chicken from a farmer who advertised freshly killed chicken. I think we made the chicken's life better. Got to be in a movie, got fucked, and then right after filming the next take, the cast ate the chicken. Anyway, this is where I'm going to wrap this thing up. I want to close on a quote by Karen Rosa, the director of the American Humane Association's Film and Television Unit, when she was discussing the AHA guidelines for animal actors during an interview. She and the interviewer had been discussing rules for dogs, cats, monkeys, fish, you name it. And then the subject of cockroaches came up in the conversation (laughs) where the interviewer asked about squishing the roaches after a shoot. And she said, absolutely not. She went on to say that if you show up on set with 25,000 cockroaches, you better leave with 25,000 and cockroaches. She then added, a cockroach in my kitchen is one thing, but a cockroach in a movie is an actor, and like any other actor, it deserves to go home at the end of the day. That's nice. It is nice. I mean, I don't agree about the cockroach. I mean, I, I don't either. step on all, every single one of them, <laughs> but, you know, but it's, but you gotta draw the line somewhere. Yeah, so, yeah. apparently. So, thoughts? It went that bad. It, it went started dark as, and got better. I was like, oh god, this is gonna be a rough one, but yeah. you, you lightened it up a little we bit. We lightened up it's by the movie. end. It's the movie. Most of it's not real. Most after of it's we not got real. Rid of the, after we got past the first chunk of it, you know, it was kind yeah, of it like... It was fine. Yeah. So, I look forward to our listeners sending in, you know, movies that they like that we missed. Because just like Kid Killing, they're like, you missed this one child getting splatted by you know a right, truck yeah. in this movie no one was offended everyone just wanted to make sure their favorite kid killing scene or <laughs> their favorite dead animal scene is is recognized so yeah. feel free to send those and let me know what we missed but other than that that's all i got anything else i think i'm good all right well thanks for tuning in thanks everyone bye everyone thanks for listening to slums of film history you can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find the links to some of the movies we talked about today and also be sure to check us out on facebook and twitter where we share a lot of additional content and if you like the show or have any comments or suggestions please drop us an email at slumsoffilmhistory at gmail.com or write us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies.
I can't wait for you to do bestiality as part of our next Oof, six episode I don't run. Know if I can do it now that like I I've been talking about doing bestiality forever, but I mean, in, as an episode, not in life, not I'm practicing glad you it in my, my regular life. Yeah. But. Thanks for clarifying that.